now tuned into the greatest. And we're back to give you the best in the NBA as we always do. On today's episode, we discuss the NBA playoffs, the dogfight that has been round two. The new bench boss in Brooklyn is a two-time former NBA MVP, that is Steve Nash. We'll take a deep dive and talk about the strike that almost canceled the NBA playoffs. This is Below the Hardwood. We're not, not going to start you, it off where, like that. I had an idea. Why you know where I am at? Yeah. And uh, it's just not going to happen like that. But welcome back to Below the Herd when I am your host, Ryan Antonio Henry. Here with the homies, the team, the compadres, the cohorts, the colleagues, the Avengers. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman. Oh, right. Rest in peace, Chad. Rest in peace, Black Panther. Uh, but yeah, you are tuned into the greatest... Uh, this is episode seven of Below the Hardwood Round Two Fight. But before we get into that, I have my cohorts, my colleagues, my team, Alan Shane Lewis. Hi, everybody. My name is Alan Shane Lewis. I'm on a podcast right now. He's on a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. He's on a podcast. Believe that. And Dexter Ariola. Yo, this is Dexter Wagwan. <laughs> I've been listening to Adele a lot. <laughs> what was his name? Chet. What's 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 the dude's son's name that talks in Potwatch? Chet. Oh, Chet Hanks. Chet Hanks. <laughs> More fire for your blood, Keith the man. <laughs> I, how 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 do you like your dad's Tom Hanks, and then you just become the worst person ever? How's that possible? <laughs> you had all the blueprint to be a, an amazing person. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, he had everything, and he just had to go mess that up. Uh, well, we have our own Chet Hanks and Dexter Ariola, but Dexter, you didn't say the one thing you need to say to start the show. Hi, Nikki. Ah, Hi, Jasmine. That. I'm keeping them on their toes. Oh, oh that's trademark, oh, okay. bro. Hi, Jasmine. <laughs> Jasmine. Yo, you're on the show. Like, that, that's big. But yeah, let's yo. just get right into it. Uh, the <laughs> NBA playoffs are... It's it's been underway. It's been underway. Uh, we are actually in round two as we speak, um, but we did want to give just a little bit of notice to the epic first round that we saw, uh, specifically three uh, big games, big matchups in uh, uh, Dallas and the Clippers. We saw some crazy stuff. OKC Houston go seven games. Utah Denver go seven games, and it was a, it was a great first round. So uh, with the first round wrapping up. Just real quick, Alan, what's your biggest takeaway from round one? Uh, the Clippers are fake. They're phony. They're fraudulent. You're a phony. You've been led astray, bamboozled. That is not the real team. We saw behind the curtain. We've peaked Oz. That team is not ready for a championship. All right. Mm. They struggled to beat a wounded Mavericks team. And basically, the game ends up being Kawhi Leonard getting to the free throw line while everybody else just sits around there and watches him. With and no sixth man of the experience. year, good for Montrezl Harrell, but you know what? That team, that team, not gonna win. I'm sorry. Mm. Mm. Beat up by a 21 year old with no playoff experience. Um, and Dexter, what's your first? Uh, what's your uh, takeaway from the first round? Uh, Luca's a star. It's a guard league now with Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell battle. Uh, and Crazy. obviously, Damian Lillard is super overrated. Oh my god, dude, stop <laughs> it, stop it. Like, he was on a roll, I was like, yep, 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 yep. you're hitting it, you're hitting it, and then, and then he goes off. He faked a knee injury. Oh my god, stop He didn't this. fake Because they were going down. Yes. You know who faked it, an injury? Oh my Giannis, god. I tend to not the MVP, Kupo. Right? He faked an injury. We will get right into that. That walked away from his team. <laughs> that was a perfect segue into the second round, but I, I did want to note my biggest takeaway is, yeah, Mitchell Murray, 50-point battles, crazy. Most points scored between um, opposing uh, players on, on teams. It was like 400 and something. It was nuts. Yo, can I ask you a question? Did, did the better team win in Denver, Utah? What'd I you think, think you could honestly go either way. Who do you think is like the actual better team? The better, I think the better, the, the better team. The better team, yeah. For yeah. Sure. Better team the is The team, better team. Better team, yeah. For yeah. Sure. Denver just has a better bench. They got players pretty much geared. Like they, they got their role players set. They know what they need to do. Uh, they mm-hmm. got their stars. The, the, yeah, better team one. Better team one. Uh, but, uh, oh, and also yeah. 76ers are trash. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we <laughs> don't get disagreed. It that. just solidified. I, I think. I think the funniest thing <laughs> is watching Joel Embiid on Twitter, just like Marvin's room thirst for Jimmy Butler and what could have been. <laughs> yeah. Like every post, he just like 
Oh, I miss him. Like it's just, <laughs> it's it's so sad. I'm like, oh man, they, it's they, like, they got rid of his buddy. It's like Jimmy hits a, a, a last second shot. He's the one that got away. <laughs> yeah, for real. Every time Jimmy Butler does something good, he's just on Twitter. It's like, the memories. <laughs> this is the times we had. We need some corny music in the background. I'll do that in post. Um, but uh, let's get in right into the second round. Alan, you said it. Uh, Giannis, uh, an, an injury that um, he kind of showed it a little bit in uh, game three. But it uh, he definitely messed up his ankle uh, in game four. Uh, versus the uh, the Heat in the second round matchup, um, we saw Giannis go down today. When yeah. it d- depends on when you're listening to this, but um, what what um, like honestly like the first three games we just saw the Bucks just get totally destroyed, dismantled. Yeah. They um, I I was watching that. And the body language on everybody, even Giannis himself, was just like it's bad. It's it, horrible. It, it's it's I, horrible. It, it's one thing you want to say, oh, the man's hurt and da da da. But like, I, I, I just think it's the bubble, right? We're in the bubble. Go back to the bench. Watch your team. Support them. They went to overtime, and you're not there. You're the MVP. You're the leader of that team. You're just going to abandon them in that moment. I feel like he was ready to like. I think he's done. I think he's done in Milwaukee, and he just mentally checked out. And he's yeah. He, there's, there's nothing left for him in that series. I don't, I don't think his heart is in it. So uh, we did see him in the first quarter. I, I think he had like 18 points, to be honest. He was playing his heart out. I thought he got injured because he was playing too hard and too aggressive because he had to prove to everybody but, with this possibly yeah. being the last game that he, he, he wasn't, a, you know, like he, he wasn't just going to go out like that. And before the injury, he was he was killing it. Um, but. Yeah, uh, Dexter. Any any thoughts on on the series on Giannis? Uh, what what's gonna happen? Can you guys hear that? Yeah, it's uh, the Dan Forth cheering for Miami Heat. That way, Giannis <laughs> comes to the Raptors, <laughs> and I think that's gonna happen, especially if they lose in five games, five or six games in the second round. I think yeah. this year was championship or bust, and. Um, if they're out the second round, there's no way he's staying in Milwaukee, especially with that cast around him. Uh, you could really build something in Toronto. Uh, I feel like I believe in Masai, and there's nothing to tell me otherwise. And uh, I think we're going to get him. And as for my the Miami side, uh, we did talk about if Jimmy had a better uh, supporting cast and a better coach and just the culture around him with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, I think he would thrive. And that's what he's doing right now. And he's, he has no signs of slowing down right now, even with injuries around him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, honestly, just with, with, with Milwaukee, uh, just those three games, um, you saw it. It's like Giannis is trying to do everything. He, he, no, but not just to shit on his teammates. He was having some bad games. Um, M- Milwaukee has put his shooting percentage down, like, like his his percentages down, like across the board yeah, in terms of throws. Uh, sh- free throws, shooting. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. Well, actually, I know what they're doing. Um, they're taking away his inside game. The guy, the guy lives in the paint. The guy lives to just run down a full court yeah. and just wreak havoc on the net. And you hear the reporter saying it. Miami, as a team, they play some great team defense. They just make a Giannis wall. They create Guys, a wall. I think I the think Raptors. It, yeah, we found sorry, how to beat the, them. Yeah, the Raptors had the formula, and the Miami Heat are executing it. And look what it's doing to Giannis. It's basically, uh, he, it's not stopping him, but it's neutralizing his game. And oh, uh, sure. the Miami Heat just three pointers all around, and yeah. that's what's beating them. That's what yeah. beat them last year. That's what's going to beat them this year. Can, can I ask you a question? If 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 uh, if they lose. Is this Budenholzer? Yeah, Budenholzer. Holzer's Hol- Mike. Mike B. Is it his fault? <laughs> Stroke. <laughs> I just I won't. No, I don't want to blame him, but because like no. it's two years in a row. Like, yeah. They they like they they're they're supposed to get to the promised land. Like this was the year. They should. So they is should. it? Yeah. I is I think it's uh, on the coaches. Um, uh, like he the coach has to kind of figure out a way. To kind of reuse his star in certain ways. If we're talking about him being um, 
the playbook has been written on how to, to, to stop Giannis. Okay, well then make a new playbook that uses Giannis in a different way that teams don't know what to do. Like True. I think the one thing I love about Nick Nurse is how dynamic he is and how he keeps switching things up. Yeah. And uh, if it's not working this way, he's going to find a different way for it to work. And he'll figure out, you know, maybe not the first game or the second game, but by the third game, you know, got a whole new ass system. And I don't really see that from coming from Mike. It, it seems like the, they're just trying to do the same thing over and over again. And I see a lot of like non-movement or it's like one-on-one with um, with Middleton or something like that. Like it, it just seems to be like the same couple of plays running over and over again. It's stagnant as hell, and to be a championship coach, you need to come back with adjustments. You need to come back with uh, a new game plan. Okay, they beat us twice doing this. Um, are we going to go back in doing the same thing? No, you got to change stuff up. And you always hear that at the beginning of games when they're talking about the starting lineups. It's like, oh, this coach is now uh, subbing this guy out, and this man will start. And that's where usually you see, okay, the coach is trying something and here's if it's going to work or not. So we haven't really seen that in Milwaukee. We're just seeing, okay, we lost twice. Now we're going to go back in for a third time, lose the third game, doing the exact same stuff and not really, you know, changing anything up. But I also think this is on a little bit of Giannis and, and also the head office. Like, what did Milwaukee really change in the last couple of years aside from kind of screw up giving away Malcolm Brogdon? Yeah, they bought another okay. Lopez. <laughs> you, you brought in another I think, brother. Um, <laughs> I think it's uh, so. I think it's on Giannis as well. Like definitely on Giannis. Um, I think you have to take a step back on the offense if you're Giannis. Uh, if you look around the league, I don't think anyone, uh, actually, out of the top teams, I don't think anyone's best player is their best defensive player. I think he just takes too much on himself, and I think that's also coach bud and uh i think he needs to take a step back and i think they need a score i need, i think they need to trade chris middleton and switch him up for maybe a bradley beal and then we'll see definitely see different results uh postseason instead of the think, regular season you think you think uh wizards would give up a bradley beal for a chris middleton if, mm. if you package chris middleton with someone you Ooh, can take Giannis? Chris Middleton. i uh, i know <laughs> brother, any of them, it doesn't matter. John yeah. Wall is Wesley Matthews, and uh, I, I, I think the Wizards are going to prioritize Bradley Beal and ship John Wall. Wall is healthy; he should be playing next this season, forty so. million contract. That's going to do nothing. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, just uh, closing out on the Bucks Heat. Obviously, are we all kind of saying that uh, Heat are obviously going to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals? Um. Don't see uh, the first time in history a team coming back four and zero, coming back three nothing. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't want to say never say never, but also that team just looks wounded and out of it. I feel like yeah. just just finish them off. Done. Kill. It's, done. it's like you know when you're hunting and you shoot a buck, but it's bleeding. It's not completely dead. Just double tap one in the head. Yeah. Finish and it. I'll sign off on Dexter. I, I I do think he's coming to Toronto. I think the the roots are deep with Masai. Um, Masai has helped his family out back when he was um, um, uh, coming over to Greece. Um, Giants of Africa is something Giannis is a big supporter of. I just think it's all here. Obviously, you have Danforth. They're partying right now, as as, as, as uh, you heard from Dexter earlier <laughs> in the streets. Uh, but, uh, yeah, closing it out, we got Heat, obviously, taking out the Bucks. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Not, not now. Maybe eventually a team will come back three zero, but I uh, think I think it's gonna go seven. Uh, I'm gonna stick with what? it, and I have to stick with my previous prediction. And I think oh, Bucks God. are gonna make it through. Just that I have to I have to stick with it. I stuck right. with it with Damian Lillard, and I have to stick with it with the Bucks. <laughs> Please, controversy. Right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> going on to the next uh, Eastern Conference matchup: the Raptors and Celtics. Um, to start Ooh. this off, <laughs> the Raptors were down 0-2. Mm-hmm. The Raptors lost the first two games and panic started to hit. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of got depressed because I, I I don't know why people thought the Raptors were just so much better than Boston because Boston has clearly shown us that they're not joking around. Like They were the only team in the bubble to really beat us or show that, hey, we're going to be a threat. So I don't think it was a shock, but obviously the Raptors came back and have mm-hmm. won the next two to tie the series up with probably the second biggest shot in Raptors history when OG hit the uh, buzzer beater 
uh, to win and uh, prevent the Raptors from going down 0-3. Uh, so, uh, what's your take on this series so far, Alan? Uh, it's a it's an interesting one. It's one of the it's the the Boston Celtics are one of those teams that can definitely handle the Raptors defense. It's because it's the same thing from before. It's like um, your uh, superstar is not going to beat us. We're going to get beaten by committee. And I think the way the Boston Celtics kind of move that ball, it it, it it it's it's good. I'll be honest. Brad Stevens is a great coach, and you know they have a lot of good shooters on there. So they're one of those teams that can go blow for blow. And it's kind of hard. You see it in, even in in uh, Game Four. We can't really separate. Even if we get ten point lead. With the Boston Celtics, they'll they'll hit two back and have great defense on the def- on the other end, and that game's like a five point game. So it's a tricky one. Uh, I I it was funny to it, and also too I think we, we we tend to forget like that game two, game two if Marcus Smart doesn't you know all of a sudden the soul of Kobe just entered his body and he just became this unstoppable force. If that never happened, we're we're talking something different. We're talking about a three one lead. Yeah. over the Boston Celtics. So it just goes to show you that how close these games really are yeah. and how one quarter can uh, can change everything. I love the fact that the Raptors are coming in strong and winning. Like we're, we're, I think we're beating them like 120 to like 90-something in the third quarter. So it's good to see that uh, yeah, uh, the Raptors' third quarter cr- the curse has not uh, yeah. followed them to Orlando. It, it, it's crazy that you say that because like, it's like the Golden State Warriors in their uh, fuck uh, like their crazy um, death lineup. It's like you could have like a ten point lead on them, and then it doesn't matter. It that means literally nothing. This mm. series is going that way too. It's like the Raptors can go up ten, Boston can just literally go on a run within a minute, and it's down. The Raptors can go up ten, same thing. Boston can come back. These two teams are evenly matched in my opinion. Um, this is like. Like you said, they play by committee. We also play by committee. Like yeah. Kyle can go off one night, Fred can go off one night. We've haven't seen Pascal have his breakout game yet, and I, I thought Game Four was it, and he did have. I think he led them in points. He did have about twenty three. So, I'm I'm like I'm hoping Pascal can st- still become that uh, the trajectory we had him on. Did we think he was going to be a superstar? Or I, at least, you know, a franchise cornerstone guy. I think he's on that line. I think he's yeah. on that line. Right? He's, he's an all star. If he got a little jump, I think he could be a superstar. But this is where he needs to make that legacy. And right now, he's kind of coming up a little bit short. Uh, I know in the first uh, series, everyone was like, yo, what's going on with Pascal? They were worried. And yeah. everyone's just like, no, no, no. You know, he's, he's going to show up. He's going to show up. We're still waiting. He needs that game. Everyone has their signature playoff game, their signature playoff moment. We're still waiting on that for Pascal. But I feel like that's what's going to take us over the top in Boston. And maybe it's game five. Maybe game five is where he does that. And we take a 3-2 lead. I have the Raptors taking this series regardless. I think in the last two games, you we've seen enough to say, okay, they they should have this. They should have this. I think game four was kind of like, undoubtedly like in control of the Raptors from start to finish. Uh, I agree. I agree. I agree with you, right? I think um I think it's gonna be Raptors in six. I think they're gonna do the same thing they did to the Bucks. Uh if we go game by game, game one they just got slapped. There's no yep. way thinking about it. Uh game two, uh Marcus Smart really had to go like Clay Thompson game six God mode. Uh and he wasn't missing any shots. And if you're relying on that, if you're the Celtics, um, that's not going to happen every game. And we saw it game three, game four. Uh, game three, we saw OG Leonard, uh, Kawhi <laughs> Ananobi, and he hit that big shot from the corner. Uh, I like his mentality of uh, like doing it before. Like He knows he was going to make it. He shoots up shots thinking that he's going to make it, and he did. And then uh, game four... Uh, we showed that we could dominate pretty much the whole game. Yeah. And uh, game five is going to be the same. I think just where people are way too high on the Celtics and their players. Like, go to Kemba Walker. What what has he really done? Kemba has that ability. Go, to no, what has he done? We like, saw, let's no, we go saw. back in the past. Like, I think people was... are high on him. At, like, people are high on Lillard. I think Kemba's getting way too much credit like, for stuff no, that okay, he hasn't done. Just sl- what just has he done? Uh, this is like, the first. Okay. Is this I the first was, time he's going second round? Well, that, that's because he played for Char- God, God for Charlotte. 
Charlotte. Still, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, People but, but, are so seriously. high on this guy. I know he, they lost he, Gordon Hayward, but what was Gordon Hayward really going to do? Jalen Brown hasn't proved anything to me, Actually, except I, I, he's I think... he's pretty good on defense. And uh, you got Channing Tatum. I'm calling Channing Tatum. Uh, he's... He he's hit or miss, man. Like he's not consistent enough to be called a superstar, and I feel like everyone's calling him superstar. He's what? Like everyone's eating his food on the Raptors. Well, I, I think that's what it, it comes down to. I don't think there's real superstars per se on that team. It's just like once again, it's a committee. It's just like on either a, a team, well-oiled machine of each player doing you know their part, and that in some becomes like this unstoppable thing because anyone has the the, the ability to kind of go off. But if you're relying on that, that's yeah. that's not going to take you to the next round, right? You see yeah. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's consistent now. Like, if you're a real Raptors fan, you saw some zeros. You saw some donuts. Uh, but oh, like from now, series one I can rely to two? On him. Yeah. I can rely on him on defense. I can rely on taking three charges a game. I can rely on him to turn it on when he needs to. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, it, he's going to get those shots. He's going to get 20 a game. And Pascal, he's in a funk, but you saw game four what he could do. All he has to do is just jab, jab, shoot, and then take it to, like, do a pick and roll and get Kemba on you and then just take it to the rim. I don't know why he's not doing that every play. I will I will say this. Uh, what you get from Kemba Walker is, Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker is leadership. Um, someone to close out a game if you need a bucket. Who is he leading? Who has he led? Game two, man. Game two. I think he put um, – it was him on surge, and he had the game winner off of that. Uh, he pulled it back. But and, he had and, it in one quarter. What was he doing the first three? Oh, no, but I'm talking about fourth quarter. You need a close. You need a win. You need leadership. That's why That's why he's there. He's leading these young quarter. players to do that, and that's that's why you have him there. He's, he's like the Paul Pierce – in it for kind of kind of for them in a way too because it's like yeah paul pierce ain't doing shit for three three quarters but when you need him the most he's there if um, daniel tice wasn't on the bottom on game three if he wasn't down there where was kemba going he wasn't going anywhere yeah he had options to kick no he didn't he stumbled yeah. he went to the middle and then he luckily found daniel tice he didn't oh. luckily his gravity pulled pascal up forward, and then he had Daniel nah. Tice, you know? No. The, hey, man, the, he, he literally won them those first two games. One off the shot where he had Pascal running and, and just uh, just dropped it in his face. And then, again, that beautiful pass to Daniel Tice that could have easily won them that game, too. Um, I think you go to Kemba for leadership and, and play uh, – and, again – veteran leadership that you just don't have obviously this is like his first playoff runs because he's been playing for charlotte but i i do think boston is underrated as a team and i feel the first two games <laughs> should have shown that they're underrated they, they, they're underrated they're underrated oh we thought uh, to be honest as raptor fans don't even lie you thought the raptors were just going to cruise this no. round. no i didn't no i didn't, I didn't. So. a lot of people thought they were just going to the matchup the matchup is perfect for the shoot. celtics but I think we're the better. You talked about well-oiled machine. I think we're the better well-oiled machine. No. Oh yeah. No. I'll give you that. Like I'm not saying I. I have the Raptors winning the yeah. series, but I think the first two games showed us that we underestimated. I think the Raptors under kind of underestimated a little bit, a little bit, and we're seeing it now that this is going to be a dogfight. Um, but yeah. No. I still got the Raptors. Um, I'm going to say six games. I'm. I'm Hopefully, hopefully six games and it doesn't get uh, horrible. But uh, just to, again, uh, close out the, uh, well, go on to the next uh, conference here. Uh, the Lakers and Rockets. Uh, again, we're about uh, game three in now. Uh, and the first two games, uh, well, actually, I believe uh, we're actually in the midst of uh, game two right now. But yeah. uh, the first two games, wh- what are you guys seeing so far? Uh, we saw the big storyline of LeBron having zero points in the fourth quarter, uh, AD kind of being rendered uh, ineffective, and from PJ Tucker, the guy that everyone has been making fun of for you know the short jokes and not having a uh, Houston not having a proper center. I saw this funny meme of Houston center minutes at zero, Lakers center minutes at sixty one, and the Rockets out rebounding the Lakers in in both games so far. So, what do you guys got to say? 
It's a, it's an upsetting series. I just want the Lakers <laughs> to roll over them. I, I I I previously had said somewhere else that I think the Rockets might have the ability to get to the championship with this weird new basketball where we just Embrace don't have it, baby. big men anymore. Just three pointers and you know just move the ball and everyone can drive and kick. So maybe maybe they take them. Right now they're kind of they 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 got rid of that lead that the Lakers have. So I don't know, man. I hate, I hate, I hate this. <laughs> so we it's new. It scares, it scares me. We now realize <laughs> PJ Tucker is the strongest player uh, in the league, right? He's pushing around Stephen Adams. He's pushing around AD. Uh, as for the like rebounds, like these guys are trying on on uh, on the defense, trying to get every rebound, and it's long rebounds, so they're getting them. And uh, I think what I'm taking away from last series and this series. Eric Gordon is the key. I think he's uh, mm. he's an incredible player, man. Like he looks so unguardable. Like none of the guards on Lakers, none of the guards uh, that they previously played can take him. And I really think he's the key for them to even beat Lakers and maybe make it to the championship. And Westbrook is better than Lillard. Oh my God! No, he isn't. <laughs> oh, no, he's not. He's not even playing that well. Like, I'm just. And he's at, in the second round. Nah, nah. He's in the second round because James Harden is the best offensive player on the planet. But yeah, um, uh, this series is gonna be weird because I feel like the Lakers do this stupid switch thing, and it's annoying because just roll over them. Like, I'm not saying like they're gonna be able to beat them for nothing, but like I feel like the Lakers let teams just win. And then LeBron's like, okay, well, can't let that happen. And then he wakes up game two or wakes up whenever, and he just comes back and does his thing. And they let Portland do that to them. Now they're letting Houston do that to them. But, uh, again, game two's on as we speak, and we're kind of watching it. And it's been up and down. Um, 14-0 run. 14-0 run by the Houston Rockets to cut a, a big lead that the Lakers had set. So it's like the Lakers just put the switch on, turn it back off, and just it's just – why like uh, I don't know I don't know if it's um, I, I, I can't tell but I just feel LeBron and AD should have this and I I'm 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 not a Houston Rocket hater uh, but uh, the team looks like they could have easily lost that first round matchup against OKC it could have went either way in my opinion um, and it could have been OKC in LA but uh, I still have the Lakers taking this, even though Houston won the first. I don't think P.J. Tucker is going to hold A.D. and King down. But he's the strongest guy in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> strongest guy in the NBA. Man, I'm uh, still sad the Raptors got rid of him. Oh, yeah. But, like, it's just not a fit. Like, you can be a great player, like a great 3 and D player, and then just it's just not a fit. Like, uh, mm. biggest example, um, oh, my God, we took him from Atlanta. And and then he crapped the bed here. Oh my God, Damari Carroll, uh, oh, Damari yeah. Carroll, like great player, but wait, what? No, nah, he was. Don't don't even front. In Stop Atlanta, more. he was Stop he was no. nice. I, that In was Atlanta, goal. he was nice. That's another that's a, another that's a house built Turkaloo. on sand. <laughs> <laughs> and we were big on him because like it was like the best three and deep signing we did in the off season. Everyone was pretty hype on it. I, I was not came and sixteen mil here. for that. He came and crapped the bet here. I think everyone was big. It on felt this guy. very Landry Fields-ish, if you, oh, if I God. will. But yeah, you could be a, a, again a good player, and then just it's just not a good fit, and that's what happened with PJ. But um, yeah, moving on. Uh, do we do? Sorry, Alan, are we saying Lakers? Uh man, I, I feel it feels wrong to call out LeBron, so I, I'm I'm not going to. <laughs> Even though I don't know what the fuck he just did right now, this is this is like honestly, it looks like a fucking rec league game. This is the most like ugly ass fucking ball. There's no real point guard. They're just bringing think, it up, losing it. Sorry, go ahead. silly. I think the Lakers no, no. haven't found a lineup that could contend with these guys. I just feel like they're just throwing their big lineup and fig- trying to figure everything out. When the Rockets are established, they know who they're gonna go to. And the Lakers don't really have that identity. They're just mixing and matching and trying to get AD and LeBron going type thing. It's like they're playing regular season basketball. So, like, yeah, let's try this lineup. (laughs) And the thing that with the Lakers, it's the supporting cast. That's where everything comes from, you know, as, uh, like, uh, Danny Greeny's had his shot. KCP finally woke up and started hitting some. So, 
it, it all lives in there. And I really think Avery Bradley would have been like the biggest piece right here that would have like locked down that perimeter, get those threes, do his thing. I talk about Pester people. I talk about Eric Gordon being the key to them winning. Uh, I think KCP is the key for Lakers to be winning. He really needs to mm. hit those shots, and uh, he needs to defend the outside. Okay, so with this, just to close them up, are we saying six or seven games Lakers? Seven games Lakers. Seven games Lakers. I want Index. Lakers. I'm going Rockets in five. I think something's going to happen. What? Rockets in five. I think someone might get wow, injured. That, I think they might give brave. up. But that is brave. Let's, let's go Rockets okay. in five. You heard it. Here I first. want Lakers Next to win. Rockets in five. Purple and gold. I bleed purple and gold. But uh, I'm going Houston in five. They just have the best point All guard right. in the league. And the other team in Los Angeles, uh, the Clippers against the Nuggets. Allen kind of hinted, hinted on it earlier that uh, he he kind of seen the Nuggets get exposed in the first round. Or, sorry, seeing the Clippers get exposed in the first round. Uh, do we think, uh, so far we've seen two games, the Clippers absolutely blew out the Nuggets from start to finish. And it kind of looked like, oh, God, this is going to be, uh, people are thinking sweet. But, you know, that's emotional responses after, you know, one game of a one one game in a in a playoff series. Uh, the Nuggets came back with a strong ass performance. Uh, they had their pieces. They had all their players hit hit their marks. Jokic uh, again came through with a strong performance. Um, do we see this kind of going up and down just like we saw in the first round with the Clippers and Nuggets? Or do we do we just see the Clippers kind of? Again, Kawhi putting on a performance and just saving the Clippers' ass again. I don't. I don't um, think. Sorry, go sorry. ahead, Alan. No, you go. You go. I don't think they have an answer for Jokic. I think he's just too big. He's too good. The court vision is amazing. And once Jamal Murray gets going, if he gets going, it's a wrap. I hate mm. Pat Bev. I think Westbrook was right. <laughs> he just runs around. He just gets fouls. He essentially cost them the game last uh in game two and Montrez Harrell I know he won six man I don't believe in that I I don't see anything from him Lou Will he hasn't been the same Lou Will as we've seen before uh you can always rely on Kawhi but I think at the end of the day he might I feel like it's going to be empty stats uh yeah I I, I think that the, the Denver Nuggets are probably a more uh, rounded team I feel like the Clippers are the sexy choice so I feel like a lot of people are kind of, uh, you know, kind of filing in line after that big blowout. But you see, you know, the the Denver Nuggets kind of respond in game in uh, game two. So uh, it's going to be an interesting series to watch. I, I say uh, Denver in six. Why not? All right, all right, and and yeah, I I don't really got a lot to say about the series yet because the the games have just been bipolar and completely different altogether. I think it just really matters Kawhi and what he's able to do, and if PG shows up, PG shows up, Clippers. I'm just going to say it. Clippers mm. in set, uh, six could go seven. But we will come back. And, uh, again, uh, we just finished off the second round of the playoffs. We got a lot more to just look into around the league. Uh, you are listening to Blow the Hardwood. Welcome back. We had just discussed the second round of the NBA playoffs, but we're just going to move into the news and notes around the league. Uh, and the biggest news around the league is former two-time MVP and uh, Canadian basketball star Steve Nash is now hired as the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets head coach, which um, absolutely nobody saw coming. Um, we knew that Steve was always, you know, as a former guard and a former uh, great high IQ player, a lot of guards are considered to be great head coaches. And yeah, you know, people always threw Steve's name in as a guy who could possibly coach in the future. He has a background with the, the Golden State Warriors, um, a background with uh, the Lakers. Um, so coaching was probably the next step. But he even said it himself that this was so low key he didn't tell anybody until he saw the right opportunity and it was time. So, um, guys, Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash, now the bench boss of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Alan, what's your take on uh, Steve becoming a, a head coach for the first time? 
Um, I think it's cool. I think we all kind of expected it as, uh, you know, if you, anyone who paid close attention to uh, Steve Nash's career, we kind of saw that happening. Uh, one thing I will take away from this, I, I feel like it's kind of a shame that Jack Vaughn or Jacques Vaughn didn't get uh, a shake or an opportunity to coach after what he did with, uh, with that, with that, you know, underpowered Nets team. So I, w- I really wish that maybe they give him the opportunity, but I, I, I understand that, you know, probably Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant or one of these like superstar guys had like a say in what, who they wanted as their coach for whatever the Brooklyn Nets are going to be next year, whatever, you know, everyone expects them to be and what they're going to be. So maybe they wanted a, a bigger name to go with it. But yeah, I'm happy for Steve Nash, you know, King Canada. Shout out to him. I think, I think you talk about Jack Vaughn. Um, he was coaching the bubble team though, right? I don't think he could deal with those big personalities. I think they're all going to walk all over him. Like their starting lineup was pretty much gone. And I don't think Jack Vaughn uh, can handle those personalities like uh, Steve Nash could. Like Steve Nash has played with Shaq. He's played with Kobe. He's played with Amari Stoudemire, who has like a big ego for some reason. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Dirk and uh, Dirk Nowitzki, who Dirk is Nowitzki. very afterburner. That's like terrible. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Jack Vaughn is still on the team. So he's still going to be the assistant coach. He's still going to be in the background whispering in Steve Nash's ear. Uh, the only thing I don't like is I think friends hired friends. So I think Sean Marks, he did play with Steve Nash on the Suns. And uh, I think he did hire his friend. I don't agree with the contract. I agree with the hiring, just not the contract. The four years, it really puts him in a bind. Like, I don't see I don't see him. It just four years. It I feel like it takes off the pressure of what he could do the first the first year or the second year. Well, well, yeah, you, you, anytime a new superstar comes into a team, unless it's like, you know, already a contending team, you, you kind of get like a write-off one year. Like when LeBron came to the Lakers the first year, everyone gave like the Lakers like two years max. Like they said the first two years are probably a write-off. This team is crap. Uh, they're going to have to pull AD, and now we're here. Now we're here. Second year, and it's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Um, with the Nets, I feel like KD is such a a talent that I don't know if he has that 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 um, that uh, one two year write off. Like I feel like they need to win immediately next year. That team, if you look at them on paper, it's ridiculous. Uh, Karis Levert is 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 an amazing basketball player alone. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie does not get enough limelight, uh, and he won't next year because he's literally surrounded by world star talent but spencer dignity uh karis lavert and um a big man in the middle uh, jared allen i don't know what they're going to do with deandre jordan and then they have deandre jordan on the bench like that team is star studded they have talent to compete with i'd say again barring a healthy kevin durant and kyrie irving um they have talent to compete with every team in the bubble that's still left in the bubble right now hmm. uh so i think with steve nash now Obviously, the whole thing is KD had to sign off on this. And I feel like KD can play under anybody as long as you let KD be KD and you don't put limits on him. You don't tell him what to do. You just let him do. And I think that's what Steve Kerr let him do in Golden State because the whole thing is, is this going to fit? Is this going to mix? And yeah, KD is like his game. You just throw him into 32 teams in the league and it just works. Um, so I feel like that's going to be a great, and I feel like Steve Nash is the dude to solve the puzzle that is Kyrie Irving, because this guy is just, we've seen him in Cleveland without LeBron, didn't work. Saw him in Boston shortly, didn't work. Um, this Nets team, we saw him barely without, you know, obviously no KD, but, you know, we didn't get really a, a good long version of of what Kyrie looked like without KD on the nets and if it could work um but i feel like steve nash is the guy that will center him control him kind of let him be him without kind of like nagging cuz steve nash doesn't look like a controlling guy he doesn't look like a nagger he doesn't look like a dude that's just going to piss off his star players so i like the signing in that regard um there's just a lot of drama with the fact that kind of Alan mentioned it. Jock Vaughn himself did not get enough time with, uh, again, he didn't get KD and Kyrie. He just got a broken down Nets team. Give him a, a year, see what he can do, then bring in Nash. Um, and then there's a lot of coaches that 
Kubble just got fired. I'm not saying Brett Brown keep him the hell away from that team, but <laughs> Indiana Pacer coach um, Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan, who should not have gotten fired for leading an Indiana Pacer team uh, to winning records and playoff seasons with no stars. He literally had no stars. I think Nate McMillan could have even been a, a good coach for that team. Um, and we'll get a little bit into just like the replacements and who could have been a coach, but. Um, how far do you guys see the Nets going with a healthy KD, uh, Irving, and a Na- and Nash as head coach? Uh, Dexter. Um, it, it depends what KD you get. Even 80% KD, I think he could take you to the finals. And then if Kyrie's that mm-hmm. killer, like you, you saw in Cleveland, not the one in Boston, not the one like this year, we had some off games. But uh, if we get that Kyrie finals, I think they could win a championship. You, so you're, you're saying they could get to the finals yeah. this year? Yeah. Oh, possibly win. It, if we got year 80% one. KD and a killer Kyrie, oh yeah. I, I think I think we're all going to be in a huge shock when we see what this team can do. I really think when you have as many players who require the ball and you have so many ball handlers on them, on that team, I don't think the ball is going to move as, as smoothly as everyone thinks. I don't, I, and I still don't believe that Kyrie and KD can, can coexist. I think they kind of have similar games. I don't think the, the like LeBron defers. Le, LeBron does a lot of off-ball things. LeBron does a lot of stuff that kind of help Kyrie, allow him to be Kyrie. Let's I don't think KD is going to have that kind of mentality. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I don't think Karis LeVert's going to have these, the same tremendous uh, um opportunities as he had before like he, he he did a lot of like ball 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 handling to him and like play initiating so it's i, I i'm not sold on this team i i, I want to see what they do first before i crown them uh, anything in the i'm East. buying stock for the nets i think so i think they're you're just stock so for the i think they're just so deep and uh like you're gonna get productivity from kd you're gonna get productivity from Kyrie, and if you get that same productivity from the bench the bench will be devastating and I think the league's going to be like, uh-oh. I think it's going to be a uh-oh moment once they see what this team and their potential will be. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I have a huge feeling that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be my team to hate next year. So <laughs> I'll look forward to that. Team Greg Oden. They're, team Greg Oden. They're going to get a lot of hate because you literally have, I think, in today's NBA, the two biggest villains in the NBA, pretty much. Oh, I think we've all turned around Kyrie. I think we've realized that he was right on a lot of things. So I don't think he's just a villain. He's more just like we just—he's kind of toxic. I think that's kind of what the the media uh, does. Shit, it's not the media. The fans shit on Kyrie just for his takes and what he says. Like he got a lot of heat just for not wanting to go back in the bubble, which I honestly thought and agreed with. And we almost saw with the strike, uh, which we'll get into that. Um, a lot of players wanted to do it too. Um, the flat earth thing, um, just his time in Boston. I will say this. He does talk a lot, and sometimes he kind of talks, over talks, and says a lot. Uh, I've read this funny clip or saw this funny video. Of, uh, it was called NBA Players Who Lie a Lot. And <laughs> half the video was Kyrie Irving's promising things that just never happened. Uh, like the time he went to, uh, it was preseason in Boston. And he was just sitting in the middle of the court with uh, Hayward, just talking about the season, upcoming season. And he was just like, hey, if you guys will have me next year, I'll be here. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, that, yeah. that uh, didn't age too well there, buddy. So, he, so again, Kyrie talks a lot. He gets, he, he gets um, uh, himself into a lot of it, which I, I completely get. Uh, so, and then obviously see how well teams do after he leaves, except for Cleveland, obviously, but with, uh, with the Celtics and them making noise, I, I, I don't count him as a villain, but obviously he's not a fan favorite. I will say a lot of people are going to look at the Nets like, I don't want them to win. Uh, you got <laughs> KD, you got the snake, the whole thing. Um, people don't want to see him succeed, but KD is just all world. And I feel like he alone can take a franchise, at least a bottom dweller, he can take them into the playoffs on his own merit. If you give him Kyrie and a whole bunch of other very talented players like the Nets have, Sean Marks has created a good team, mm-hmm. I think they could go as far as East Eastern Conference Finals in the first year. Wow. That's, I give them Eastern Conference Finals. You guys are both real high on them. Um, I, 
I just I just see I've seen what KD can do. I'm scared of Kevin Durant. Like when I was watching the Raptors Golden State Warriors finals, I was like, get the ball out of this dude's hands because as soon as he crosses the line, he's he's a threat. Yeah, which he 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 is, but like once again, he's not taking every shot. He's no. not he's not the only thing on like I feel like when we saw Kevin Durant in Golden State, he was surrounded by Golden State players. When he was we saw Kevin Durant in OKC, we saw him with a star set of cast with like two MVPs. I don't know if Kevin Durant on his own can facilitate as, as hard and as, as well as uh we think he can, you know, and, and, and really take over and have his presence uh known. So I'm just I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a hater. I'm probably a hater. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to see it. This is the first real team that, you know, it's not crazy star-studded. It's him and Kyrie. So, yeah. it's the doubles. It's the new NBA. Uh, you got to have a pair. Uh, who knows what we see next season. It could change, but it's it's pair season. So, uh, he's going to have times where he's going to need to demand the ball from Kyrie. Kyrie's going to have to, they're going to have to figure that dynamic out. And I feel their friendship will help that. Because they're not just two stars that just got paired together like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They're friends. And they've been teasing this union for for quite some time. So I think that will play a big part in how they do. Uh, But uh, moving on, we kind of somewhat segued into it uh, with uh, the recent events of Jacob Blake uh, being shot seven times in the back caused a lot of um, backlash in the NBA. Um, players literally were not supposed to go to the bubble. They were debating whether to go restart the season from the get-go, as we mentioned with Kyrie Irving not wanting to go to the bubble because it would be a distraction and take away from the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement that was happening due to, again, 100 days previously, uh, the killing of George Floyd. So here we are now, again... The same things are happening. Unarmed black men are being killed or shot at for, again, for no reason, as if the police are, are the judge, jury, and executioner. So the Bucks actually decided to stop play of Game 3 back in the uh, the first round. Uh, game 3 or 4. I uh, can't yeah. uh, get the exact number there, but uh, the Bucks staged an unprecedented un it, it wasn't really planned uh apparently this was discussed through text messages through a couple of the players uh and then literally moments before game with orlando magic already on the court practicing they just decided that they're going to forfeit the game and the original plan they did not know that the teams would have followed suit they were just going to forfeit the game but the orlando magic being uh, a very good team as well decided to stay in solidarity with the Bucks, and they followed suit and didn't uh, went back to the locker room the game was canceled and then it was a chain reaction after that the league just started canceling games we saw the effect it had outside of the nba with um mlb the milwaukee brewers stood beside the bucks canceled their game um we saw uh, in uh, WNBA, obviously they followed suit, canceled their games, and even uh, MLS and other uh, major soccer leagues canceled their games, with the exception of the NHL because yeah, the NHL, NHL is very freaking behind. Um, uh, but also, just I just want to say, like I don't even want to say like the, the WNBA followed suit. I think we got to give WNBA their props. They've been like ahead of this stuff for like they've been doing you know, it for years before yeah. Colin Kaepernick. So. Yeah. As, as far as like leagues that are progressive and like really showing and using their voices for social change and social justice, I think the WNBA got to get a got a little little, little tip a tip our caps to them because they've been they've been mistaken. doing it. For, yes, they 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 have been at the uh, front of that uh, for years now. Uh, even with their own fight of just getting equal money and getting not even equal money, they just want better money. They're getting pennies over there compared to other sports leagues. It's like you're a major sports league. It's you really sad be- when video game guys get paid more than them. I'm like, come on now. Let's nuts. Absolutely nuts. But uh, the WMA definitely uh, has been on the uh, social change uh, front for, for years. But with the strike, um, a lot of conversations came out with what the hell was the purpose of this? You guys are just going to strike for one game? What the hell is that going to do? They're not going to jail the guy. Um, I had friends uh, come up to me and, and they're just like, but like Ryan, like I just don't get this. Like, what, what's the point? Mm. Um, and I had to explain it to them. It's like, you know what? The NBA is the most powerful sports league in the world. And I think this strike proved it. 
they didn't have a clear objective. I will say that. At one point, it just looked like the Bucks did this and then everyone followed suit and they needed meetings to really clarify what their goals were. The one thing I will say that I liked about it is that there were talks that they had the Milwaukee Attorney General on the phone um, that same night. So I feel like that is getting something done. Because obviously they're trying to get the arrest. They're trying to get something done to resolve, to at least get justice for, for Jacob Blake and his family. Um, get something like started. Like we're still waiting on killers from months ago to get arrested and, and like charged. And just nothing happened. So I feel the Bucks did have a purpose in that. Uh, I don't know what happened with those conversations. I I don't know if anything actually did get done, but they did get a couple of things done. They got the voting stations pulled. Uh, they're getting voting stations in every major NBA yeah. arena, which is huge when you consider a lot of areas in America. I'm not going to talk like I'm American because I'm not, but I hear that a lot of people don't actually have the access to vote in their areas. So opening up huge-ass arenas that can hit... Uh, fill probably 25 uh, 30,000 people obviously no no one's sitting down that they can fit that many people in there will help and get people to actually come out and vote um, there was other things in terms of creating a committee and and social change getting that you know just actually paying attention and getting things done because there was talks that there was supposed to be a lot more there's supposed to be meetings in the bubble uh, to of how the players can evokes more social change. And since the league started, it's kind of hard to do that when you're playing day after day. There's literally mm-hmm. one day break, you play a game. One day break, you play a game. So the whole movement kind of took a back seat uh, when, you, when you look at what uh, why they even wanted to come to the bubble. So they had to refocus and get, you know, people back on track with okay we need to actually put more focus on this so Hmm. i don't think it was for waste i don't think uh, i think it was a reminder that you guys we can cancel this and we can get everybody just to go back home and lebron james and the clippers were about to go back home so uh i know i kind of rambled off there but no uh, alan dexter what's your take on the strike do you feel it was warranted do you feel it had purpose um uh, alan go ahead yeah, I think um, I, I like the idea or, um, you know, these players have a platform and, you know, uh, they had the opportunity to express themselves and share and speak on things as like, uh, you know, community leaders. So it was it was good for them to, to be able to do this, to take this moment of like uh, uh, solid reflection and, and everything. And I know a lot of people are like, yeah, well, well, well what is it? What, what, what change came from it? I think you spoke beautifully about like, yeah, we get these voting things. But also, I think at the end of the day, we tend to forget like these players are playing in the middle of a pandemic while all this is happening. They need a day to themselves. They need to be able to reflect and digest what's going on, especially when you're like the Milwaukee Bucks. Like that's your community in which these things are kind of happening. These things are not as far away as you think it is. Like these are these aren't alien things. These are like this is yeah this is just it's literally all around you and these players live these lives where they've experienced a lot of this stuff so anything you see from that they, you can talk about your own uh personal experiences like i think sterling brown is a big case like he himself got like uh like f- you know the police fuck with him when he was just like randomly just at a convenience or i don't know something late at night and he got like you know nine cops tackled him and you know tased him up and all this crazy shit so That's... it's 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 a lot it's a lot and um, yeah, I'm happy that we, we have a league that doesn't silence these voices. I think, you know, we talk about other leagues like the NFL and, you know, they're pretending that they give a shit now or even the NHL pretending like the day of being like, oh, well, we didn't we, we didn't have anything planned. We, how could we possibly do this? I'm like, well, you know what? The fucking Milwaukee Bucks were in, in the arena when that happened. They, they're in the arena and they made a decision. So, um, yeah. yeah. So kudos for the, the NBA and, you know, WNBA and other leagues to to kind of have this moment of reflection and realize that sometimes, you know, it's bigger than sports. It's bigger than sports, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, Dex, any anything uh, just with the strike? Was there a point to stopping play, even if it was just for three days? Or would you have rather seen the playoffs just get well, canceled? Well, for me personally, it was it was a huge thing for me, uh, like, growth-wise. Um, I think I live and breathe basketball, so seeing these guys not play, uh, I had nothing to watch, so... Uh, I did my research on 
what these guys were saying. It's people we look up to. So I did my research. It gave me time to do research and see all the injustices that were happening with Brianna and Jacob and um, and uh, Floyd. And it, it helped me grow as a person, man. Like, to be honest, like, I understand everything that's going on now. Um, I, I know about the Black Lives Matter movement now. I just... I was very ignorant to it before and now I just feel like I've done my research and like the NBA really helped that uh, like push that on me. I don't want to say it was forced upon me, but it definitely opened my eyes on what's going on around the world and not just in the bubble, not just basketball. Everything is bigger than basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And um thank you honestly like my reflection was wow. Um the NBA is worldwide. Um, the NBA is powerful because it, it, it just brought out a lot of hate in people, mm. brought out a lot of good in people, a lot of people who, again, still, after the George Floyd string, still didn't understand Black Lives Matter, uh, the movement. After the strike, kind of like, you know, okay, wow, like, they actually stopped, like, four to five different major sports leagues from playing like this is this is actually serious so it had that power and i think there was purpose to it um so yeah no i i think the players did a, did a great job kenny the jet smith walked off uh, studio during a live uh, shooting of uh, inside the nba which i thought was extremely powerful uh, although i am not a fan of chris weber's commentary on a lot of games uh, chris weber had a lot of like kind of like bone tingling things to say that like actually like made me like almost like I, I had to like stop listening at one point because I'm like man this guy's broken like he he just you know he I think he broke it down well for a lot of people what this what this was and what it meant um so I liked what the NBA did with their with their shows dedicating it just to discussions uh throughout the three days so I thought it was great but we do want to end this off on a better and more lighter note. So this is a new segment we're going to introduce. It's called Cap or No Cap. Are you capping or are you not capping? So a lot of funny things can be said throughout an NBA season. A lot of strange things can be said throughout an NBA season. Uh, this past week was no different. Uh, the biggest take so far is Richard Jefferson tweeting that Giannis, or I keep saying Giannis. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not having RG. a stroke, guys. Giannis, it's because I'm reading it, so I, I, I read G. Um, Giannis might be a Scottie Pippen, and he needs a Michael Jordan. Is this cap or no cap, Al? Uh, I think it's that's cap. That's cap right there. I, Giannis is an amazing once-in-a-generation player. I definitely... Don't, I don't think he's the second person. I think he is the main ball handler, and he's the play initiator. Uh, and I, I think he just needs a, a consistent wing that can, you know, give him his 15 to 18 so he can take a little bit of breaks here and there and, you know, help him out and spread the floor because, you know, the boy's a monster. You know, you can see it. He's just He just he goes in there. He dominates. He takes over games. He has the ability to do all that stuff. And I don't think... Um, his uh, his issues and all these problems means that he is uh, a number two. I just think he's just having a really bad series. I I'd agree. Yeah. Uh, no. I, uh, Richard Jefferson's cabin for sure because he should try to backtrack it and, and say what he really meant. But no, I think you were a victim of the moment. You saw that the Bucks were down 0-3. So who do you shit on? You shit on Giannis because obviously yeah. he's not having the greatest performance. Uh, but he's an he's going to be a two time MVP. I'm sorry, I think he's getting it. Um, he's already a defensive player of the year. Um, he is not a Scotty Pippen. He is not a number two. He is your number one. It's not his fault that this team can't seem to figure out the Miami Heat the way they are. Yes, they are going to have to retool, figure something out. Who knows if Giannis is even there, but uh, Richard Jefferson is definitely capping uh, Dexter. Oh, I don't think he's That's no cap. That's no cap oh, at all. Oh wow! See you just <laughs> wow. I think man. okay. The cap is the wording of it, but the idea of it is no cap. I think Giannis needs. Hmm. So he talks about Jordan and Pippen. I talk about Batman and Robin. So, like he does have a Robin and Chris Chris Middleton, but he needs a Superman 
He needs to join a Justice League. He needs someone by him. <laughs> he needs someone bigger than him. Okay, okay. I like so that. he is a Batman, but that. he okay. needs a Superman. He don't need no Robin. So you're saying he's mm. going to Golden State? So you're saying he's going to Golden State? Uh, I don't know where he's going. I hope yeah, it's Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> Raptors. It's Raptors or Heat. Pascal could be a Batman. All right. and he changes to Superman. Stuff like that happens <laughs> in comics, man. Oh, God. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, Josh Hart tweeted when he saw Russell Westbrook get the next LeBron James poster that the Westbrook dunk was worse than his. Is this cap or no cap, Josh Hart? Uh, no, I, it's it's cap. It's cap. Josh Hart's was worse. He was jumping, all right? When you when you saw the one with uh, Westbrook, he was just trying to take a charge. You know that happens. Yeah. But Josh Hart was contending to stop that ball, and he just got set <laughs> to bed like a child balls. with his parent. You know. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mouthful of LeBron's balls. That's what he got. Josh Hart's um, still mad. He's still I'm Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. If you haven't seen it, Google the picture: LeBron Hart dunks on Josh Hart, and you will see that there was balls in eyes, mouth everywhere. <laughs> It, it was bad. Ryan's dream. Well, Russell Westbrook was just a pylon. It was yeah. just a pylon. And he just sat there, st- stood there, just got knocked down, and, and just accepted it and moved on. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Josh, Josh Hart is definitely capping. Um, Fred Van Fleet comments on the series after OG's buzzer beating game, uh, buzzer beater in game three, quote, unquote, they fucked up. Dexter, is this cap or no That's cap? That's no cap. <laughs> I think it's over. Mm. I think six games are going to do the same thing they did with the Bucks, And uh, I think Van Vliet, he needs to have a kid or something. He needs to kill it. You <laughs> <laughs> need to back it up. Uh, and, and, and you know what? I'm going to say it was a series-changing three uh, because if he doesn't hit it, you go down 0-3, and the Raptors, to be honest, probably lose the series because uh, I don't think anyone's coming back 0-3. Um, and now we're sitting 2-2. So, yeah, no cap. Fred Van Fleet's absolutely right. Raptor's going to win this. Alan? Yeah, man, no cap. I got to say, no no new era. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I think the Raptors uh, have recalibrated. They're ready to go. Uh, and I'm excited to see them winning uh, six games. All right, dope, dope. And uh, Coach Mike Budenholzer defends not playing Giannis high minutes in crucial playoff games. Uh, if you go down his minutes, he's averaging maybe anywhere between like 33 to 34. You know, game one, game two, game three, he's played like 34, 35, 36 minutes. Uh, meanwhile, you guys have uh, guys like Kyle Lowry playing 34 or 35 years old, playing 46 minutes. Is Mike Budenholzer cap or no cap? He's cap, man. Why? Just play your damn superstar in pivotal games. Give him all the moments that he has to help you win. That's cap. Like you, in the in the like nineties, even two thousands, you never hear about people's minutes. You never hear about superstars' minutes. And then now you bring it up. I think it's a scapegoat, and that's cap for sure. And Giannis himself is even kind of kind of buried his coach by saying this but he's been asking for more minutes apparently so yeah if your own player is saying that then yeah there's some definitely a disconnect but um he's he's young he's not old this is where you need to literally burn them out like this is where they play these high minutes because in five to six years you're gonna have to enter tim duncan territory and oh he has a dnp because he's uh uh what's popovich's famous excuses old yeah, so why not play him the 40 minutes now when his, uh, he's obviously in a, a prime Just hire status. Tom Thibodeau but and yeah, call I'm it say, He'll play him, he'll play him 40, <laughs> 49 oh, minutes. run his ass <laughs> to the ground. Yeah, I was going to say, he's going to play him an extra minute. <laughs> he, on, he on the court a whole minute. <laughs> oh, God. All right, and uh, last one here. Do you find this uh, hire by the Nets um, – to be a white privilege hire. It's not quoted by Stephen A., but uh, Stephen A., of first take on ESPN, came out and basically said that he's not happy with this hire, not because he doesn't believe in Steve Nash, but because there's other coaches that deserve this opportunity, and he finds that this is a white privilege hire. Cap or no cap, Alan? Uh, that's that's cap, I'm going to say. I think, I think there is a, a case of seeing 
uh, first year coaches uh, of, of uh, white NBA coaches given more opportunity than black coaches. I definitely think that's a thing that's prevalent, but I don't think in this specific situation we can say that. I think, and as, as we're saying before, it's more of a, a thing of like uh, the stars kind of wanted him, and it's Steve Nash, man, two time MVP. Who, who doesn't want to see him coach? Exactly. Two time MVP. Uh, co- point guards have a history of becoming coaches. Look at Jason Kidd, and I've been I put this on Twitter that Jason Kidd and Steve Nash have literally copied each other's careers. But um, Dexter, cap, cap no cap, but the cap's on, on uh, loose. That's cap. It's on loose. Cap's I think I think he has some valid loose. points, okay. but uh, you talk about the black coaches that they want to bring in: Mark Jackson, Jacques Vaughn. I just feel like the new wave is getting brand new coaches and like they thrive in their first year that's what usually happens yeah. they get they get adopted a nick good nurse, team. Steve yeah. Kerr. nick nurse steve Kerr, even david blatt before uh first year uh, brad stevens like first year coaches tend to do really well and uh i don't know if a mark jackson will help or like even jeff Van gundy was up for the job and you don't say anything about yeah. him right yeah. Exactly. Well, you guys, um, that was Cap No Cap. You'll probably see that again very soon. Uh, this was episode seven of Below the Hardwood. Alan, real quick, where can they find you on Twitter? Instagram? Uh, you can find me on uh, the Alan Shane on Twitter and Alan Shane on Instagram. And Dex. Hey, my mother, mother music. It's living my Dex life. <laughs> Don't forget the G. <laughs> well,. You can find me at R.A. Henry on Twitter. And ladies and gentlemen, that was episode seven. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. We will be back shortly. This was Below the Hardware. Thank you for listening. Yo, subscribe to my OnlyFans. <laughs> I'm my only subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> He's my OnlyFans. <laughs>